Good morning, everybody. Good to see you all. Uh, it's been a little while since I've been up here to share something with you, so I'm kind of excited just to be here. Uh, all right, so I'll just get into it. Um, so lately, I've been reading through and studying the book of Daniel, uh, and the other day I came across uh, this verse, or it's rather a couple of verses, uh, that I really had to kind of stop and think about for a few minutes. Uh, it was one of those, uh, it's, in, it's an in-between verse, one of those connective tissue things between the main story that can be easy to sort of pass over, right? Um, you kind of want to get to the next point because we know these Bible stories pretty well, so you're kind of like, all right, I want to see what Daniel has to say to this king kind of thing. All right, skip over this verse. Uh, but I really stopped here. Uh, it's in Daniel 5. Um, uh, in the story, the handwriting is literally on the wall for King Belshazzar, if we remember that story. And Daniel's called in to interpret, and the first thing he says to the king is this. Uh, he says, O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar your father a kingdom and majesty, glory and honor. And because of the majesty that he gave him, all peoples and nations and languages trembled and feared before him, Nebuchadnezzar. Whomever he wished, he executed. Whoever he wished, he kept alive. And whoever he wished, he set up and then he put down. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. Uh, so now, at first glance, this might seem like the kind of indulging language but you might use with a king. Um, but the problem here is that he's talking with, about that, the greatest ruler of Babylon, um, one who built uh, his city into the, one of the most marvelously ornate and, ornate and grandiose cities of the ancient world whose successful campaigns won him an, an empire large enough to give himself a, at least his self-proclaimed title of king of the universe, um, whose power was relatively limitless for his time and considered perhaps a minor deity among his own people. And here was this Daniel, this lowly slave, uh, in the presence of the successor to this mythic proportion of legendary greatness, declaring that that power power that Babylonian kings had long used to destroy and to dominate, power that they used for a lot of great evil, had always been in the hands of his God. And I wonder as I read those verses what Daniel might have been thinking as he spoke those, lords, uh, those words about his Lord to the king. Um, at this time, Daniel was an old man. He's having lived the majority of his life serving the people who had destroyed his home, who had killed his people and desecrated the temple of his God and forced him to dress and to speak and act like them. And he had to live his entire life in a foreign place. And by this time, surely his younger days of those fine times of being a prince in Israel were probably starting to drift away in time. And I know if I were Daniel, I might be tempted to cry out and say, hey, wait a minute, God. You're telling me that all the things that these evil people have done have been within your scope of influence this whole time? But it isn't the misuse of that power that you're calling them out on now today? But instead, it's that they just pridefully claim that that power was their own. And this is, of course, best represented a little bit earlier in the book when we see Nebuchadnezzar himself. Um, we're told that at one point he was looking out over his own city, and he sort of, sort of pats himself on the back, and he says, Ah, I've done a good job here. I've built something good. And it's at that very moment that God speaks to him and says, I'm taking it away from you. Uh, and we know the story that he revokes that power from Nebuchadnezzar, and he's humbled to the status of a lowliest beggar or... We might even say an animal he has to crawl around and eat dirt and stuff like that. Um, Paul said it this way in Philippians 2, Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, 
counted not the being, not, uh, not his being on the equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient even unto death, yes, the death on that cross. I think the story of Daniel here is one we could um, perhaps use in a modern world where so much of the conversation is about how God blesses, what he's willing to give, what riches or power can be attributed back to him. Uh, I mean, I own, a, I own a toaster right at home. You own a, probably a toaster. But there are Christians out there who own jet planes, right? So is there really one more selfish than the other? Perhaps really? Um, God's response to the kings of Babylon tell me that to God, stuff is perhaps just stuff. Wealth and power are cheap commodities in his kingdom. They are just things, uh, they are just things that he adds on to us, right? While his primary concern is the status of our hearts. Um, me and my wife have been talking a lot recently um, and have been impressed with a kind of an urgent sense of how important it is um, to realize how hum what humility means to us and how important it is in everything. Uh, that as Paul suggests here, the true wealth and the true power we receive, like the best wine being filled into empty vessels, is when we take on Christ is his humble servant attitude. So Daniel, Daniel didn't know it at the time, and I find this kind of interesting. Um, but it would be his interactions, these drops in the, those drop-in-the-bucket experiences that might not have always have seemed like they had much effect in his time. Um, it was just the perspective of a slave in this vast empire. But that's the thing that would ultimately last in history. The city of Babylon has long since crumbled <laughs> to the dust. Its government, its rule, its power it no longer exists. Um, those edicts and the commands and even the memory of great figures like Nebuchadnezzar are now barely a whisper in the annals of history. Uh, in fact, any historian might tell you uh, that the most complete and the closest look we now get at these individuals is left only in the book of Daniel. Um, yet without knowing this, Daniel seems to have grasped the knowledge that blessing really was never about lack or prosperity, about great or even terrible circumstances. It was always about being entirely submerged and fulfilled in the God to whom all things give glory. Uh, so let's be one of those things today, willing and eagerly giving him glory in all that we do, all that we think and say. So Father, I just thank you that we can today lift up perhaps all the dreams, all the aspirations, all the things that we wish or think that we need to do in life. Uh, maybe you've set a calling on our heart and we haven't quite seen uh, all those great things, and yet there's people out there who have their Babylons and we wonder, why did they have that and I have only so little, perhaps? But we thank you that life isn't about all that stuff. We thank you that life is about what you put into our hearts, the treasures that we store up in heaven, Jesus, with you. And we ask that today that you would set our minds upon that and set our minds upon who you are in your name. Amen. Okay, hallelujah. Well, the Lord's given me a different direction than the message that I had uh, for today. I, it come, somewhat flows with it, I suppose, but uh, it's really different. And actually, I'm going to read a scripture here first. And I believe Josh got it. And maybe, did you? Okay. Uh, this is John. Three, familiar passage for us. 
starting at verse 14. It says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God, say it with me, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth, but he who does the truth, comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. They're God-inspired deeds. And really the message I had was on, on light and God's life. It's God's light is the life of men and so forth. But this passage I didn't have. But really where my heart's been going this morning especially is we took a trip last week and um, Joyce and I, Mom, Dan and Chris, Dave and Joan, uh, we went down to South Dakota where my father pastored. We went to a couple churches that he pastored in. Uh, the, the main reason was to the 100th anniversary of the church in Amherst, South Dakota, and uh, we were back, we were there a long time ago. It was like 60, what was it, 63 to 67, I guess. It was kind of like five years total, close to it. And so we, were, we went back there and uh, we saw a lot of folks. I saw some people I was in. They were in the same class I was, same age as, as me. I uh, saw a few people our age, and then some a little bit older that were there at that time. A lot of the people that were there then, and that were referred to a lot of, by the people that shared that last weekend, were no longer there. But their influence was there. and. They had been mentors for the ones that were there, and even for me. Uh, and so we shared 
about memories, about things like that. But just that thought that uh, they weren't there, but they are very much alive and well. They're living in Christ Jesus. They're living in heaven, in heaven right now. John and Edith Simmons, a lot of them were the Simmons and the Fries. Her last name is Fry. Uh, but John and Edith in my life were highly influential. Uh, also Edwin and Dora, because their sons, they had twin sons that were my age and spent a lot of time at their farm. Uh, did a lot of work on their farms, putting up hay and things like that. And uh, just those thoughts that we're talking about forever, living forever. So we were there in Amherst, spent that time together. What a special time. And I found something there. And I told the people that when I had my opportunity to share, I said, you know what? And this was on Sunday morning when I talked to them. I said, uh, and we had been there the night before and had the evening together. One of the things with that church, it's just such a singing church. I mean, and uh, they do a lot of things like with quartets and small choirs and, and things like that. This is a singing church too. You know, we have five worship teams, five different worship teams that take turns at this point. And uh, it's, a, it, it's a part of who we are. And I believe that Mindy have been mentored here and are blessing others even, uh, even this morning probably, you know, in different places. That's what happened with that church. Many of the people that came through there, and Edith Simmons, who I mentioned earlier, I used to work on their farm. Well, uh, her and John both were musically inclined, but they imparted things to us. Did you know that you are imparting things to people both for time and eternity? Right now, in your lives, we are imparting things. And, it, and we pray it may be life and light. Amen. Um, but that was there, and we saw it. And the singing, it was great. But I told them, I said, you know what? On Sunday morning, I said, I feel like in some ways I feel right at home again right away already after just being with you for one evening. It's like we're one. And that's the truth, one in the Spirit. And this is the truth with believers that we will meet. There's something, it's something there. It's something different. And it's something we want for our friends. And we should have friends that don't know the Lord. For our friends that don't know the Lord, we should have those that we get to know that don't know him, that we can be influential and sharing him with them. But uh, I said, you know what? In some ways, you know, I've been gone 50 years. We've been gone 50 years, over 50 years. Seems really different to be able to say that. We've been gone over 50 years. But you know what? That connection is there just like 
you know, some of them first I thought, is that Kenny Fry? You know, he was one of the older ones. He was like 85 now, but so then he was 35 when I knew him. I said, is that Kenny Fry? Are you Kenny Fry? Yeah, Kenny Fry. And uh, he looked a little different. I mean, 50 years later, you know, when you're 35 and 85, you looked a little different. But you know what? After we were there a few hours, it was like, of course that's Kenny Fry. It really, it's like, you ever had that with somebody? Then we were with them a little while, it's like, yeah, their spirit starts coming out, you might say. And Kenny Fry was in the choir 52 years ago. Kenny Fry made it up on the stage to sing. In fact, he was up there about four times with quartets and men's groups and all this stuff, singing. But it's for eternity. I'm going to know Kenny. It's very possible that Kenny, it's the last time I'll see him here on this earth. But I'm going to see him again. And your loved ones, the ones that you have said goodbye to here on this earth, you're going to see them again. Let me tell you, you will see them again because of Jesus Christ and because of the cross. You'll see him again. It's eternal. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Everlasting zoe. Life, the word zoe, life there is the Greek word zoe, and it's the kind of life that God has. It's life as God knows it. And part of that, it's everlasting. In Jesus Christ, it's everlasting. It's forever. But it's so important we get that word out to people. The, the, the impression of this, the thing of the brevity of life, I guess you might say, because 50 years, in a way, it didn't seem like that at all. I mean, going back there, it didn't seem like that long. I mean, five decades, it just didn't seem that long. And if you're not even 50 years old yet, you'll know someday what I'm talking about as you look back. In some ways, I can't believe I'm as old as I am. You can guess how old I am. But it's, it's forever in Christ Jesus. It's eternal. It's unending. Our spirits are born again. We receive eternal life in our spirit. And that's the word we need to get out to people. As long as we have breath, we have that possibility. We are able to get that word out to people. And we do it as individuals. We do it as families, as the Lord leads us. But we do it as a church family. And we want to just be yielded to the Lord in this new place that we're coming to. And it's like a new place for us as a church family because we went through something there in March where it was quite a shaking, you might say, with the roof caving in and services in the fellowship hall, and then coming back here now, where do we go? Where we go to where these, these seats are going to be filled with others that don't know the Lord. Amen? Amen?
I mean, that's the vision. You know, what, what do we see? We don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. We see full, full. Why? Because it's people knowing the Lord. That's what's in our hearts. That's what's there. Because death has been arrested, like we sang this morning. Death has been arrested, and we, got, we get that word out there, and then it's, of course, people's decision to do the truth, like we read in verse 21. But he who does the truth comes to the light. And the thing with that is, as we walk in the light that we have, we'll receive more light. But we must walk in the light that we have been given and be doers of the word that we already have. Do you hear what I'm saying? Otherwise we get into confusion. It's like it says in James, if we, don't, if we hear the word and don't do it, we deceive ourselves. And we get confused. If you feel like your, your Christian walk has kind of run into a wall, a wall and you just aren't getting anywhere, just ask the Lord, what have you shown me? What light have you shown me? What have you shown me to do? And I didn't do it. We're to be doers of the word, of walking in the light, walking in the light, because it will even affect our fellowship with the Father. If he gives us light, truth, the word, something to do or not do or whatever it might be, but then we don't walk in it, it affects our fellowship. As we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. But that also carries over to in the body of Christ fellowship. The fellowship gets richer and richer as we're walking in the light together of what God has shown us. Walking the light, talking the light, doing the light. The entrance of his word gives us light. And it's a light that leads on to eternity forever. Really, the truth is, right now, if we've received Jesus as our Savior, we are already eternal beings. We already have the eternal life in us. We already have the God kind of life in us. We are eternal beings in God. So then we went to Volga, and uh, it was more like 40 years ago that we had left there. And the same thing was true. Many of the people that we knew, of course, weren't there anymore. They've gone on to glory. In fact, one of the, Doug Auger, who was a friend of mine, he had a farm just north of town. His dad did, Alfred and Evelyn Auger. Uh, Doug had just passed away on Friday. He was a year younger than I am. Uh, so just that, that came again, you know, that, those thoughts. And Ralph Van Maan wasn't any there, there anymore. Edward Van Maan wasn't. Uh, Wilbur Klein John wasn't there anymore. You know, I could go on, you know, all these people. There were a few that were still. And we met with some of them. And... Uh, but again, the people that we met with, the same thing. Just that connection in the spirit. In some ways, like we had never left each other. 
That's what it is in the Spirit. That's what it is, what we have with other believers in the Spirit. But then most of the time I spent with Peggy Parker there, who is the wife of Paul Parker. Paul was a year younger than I am, but he went to Arlington High School, which was about 14 miles away from Volga. And he was, well, I, I was standing there with Lawrence Vanderwall, another farmer there in Volga that I used to work for. And we were talking about days, I was talking to him about the time that I, I was hauling uh, corn silage. And um, I was not used to the truck and I uh, was turning around in a ditch and I started going down into the ditch and I couldn't get out, I couldn't get it shifted to go out, get out. But he saw me across the field from the farm and he came running over and he, he got, got me before I either went all the way in the ditch or tipped over or something. We were talking about that. Those are the things you remember and talk about, right? But anyway, um, then Peggy, Parker walked up to us, and I said, oh, Lawrence, this is Peggy. Peggy, this is Lawrence. This is Peggy Parker, and uh, wife of Paul Parker. And he says, oh, I remember Paul. He was the spark plug for the Arlington basketball team in 1968. He still remembered that. He says, uh, and I remember Volga, he said, we." We beat them in the, just the regular season, but they beat us in the districts. And Arlington went on all the way to beat the high school championship that year in basketball. And Paul was the, the star. Um, Paul was a friend of mine. We got to know him when we lived there. And um, Paul died two years ago. And so that, I was, I was talking with Peggy for probably an hour about that transition and how he's in heaven now. He's there with the Lord. And thank God for Jesus. I'm going to see my husband again. And his kids will see him again. And his grandkids will see him again. Eternity. Paul. We'll see Paul. And in the trip, we also got a text from Joyce's sister, Beth, that her, um, her ex, I guess you say it, ex-husband. But the thing is, they're best of friends now. They aren't remarried, but they've been really helping each other. Beth just helped him moved to a new house a few weeks ago. And uh, actually, I just share with you that they had a real reconciliation five years ago, a real forgiveness of things that they have had, you might say, put each other through as husband and wife. And uh, they had just spent Isaac, who's their son and his new wife of a year ago, had come from Denver for the 4th of July weekend. And 
they were doing stuff since Thursday night. They had gone, there's a boating, okay, boating they had done and restaurants. I mean, they just were together since Thursday, Friday. Just a wonderful time together. And uh, then we got a call Saturday noon that Jay had had a massive heart attack and they did not know if he was going to live. 54? 54 years old. And uh, I'm not sure, honestly, just I know he's alive. We're waiting for a text again, an update. He was responding, the last we heard, and they were taking him off with some of the life support things. Do you see how my, how my thoughts have been? <laughs> I mean, it's, and Jay knows the Lord. I know that if he had gone, I don't, I, I have the sense that he's not going to die. I believe he's going to live. Um, a lot of that, I think, is up to him, you know, where his heart is and where he... Um, but then had a communication with Ron Palcher, who used to pastor here, his wife, Doris, that Ron, he's like 71 now, and he lives in Rapid City, South Dakota. Their daughter, Ruth, is there with her new husband of three years now. And uh, he, he's been through a number of things in the last few years. The Lord has really miraculously kept him here with us. He had pancreatitis. He was pretty much out of it for 40 days a few years ago. And then he went through heart surgery, I think, last summer, and he's been on dialysis now. And I'm not sure all the situations, but he made a decision. He was just at a point, I'm going to go off of dialysis. And so now he's waiting for heaven. And uh, talked to Doris a couple nights ago. And she said, yeah, each, each morning or each evening when I leave, I say to Ron, I say, Ron, I'll see you in the morning. And he, she said, I know that covers whether it's physically tomorrow morning or it's in the morning. Because she doesn't know. And we haven't heard back there either just now. Choices, we're waiting for texts even as I speak from these folks to see if there's any updates. But uh, maybe some of you have had touched on some of the things like this. You know, sometimes we have seasons where we've been touching on things close, close loved ones or others that have gone transitioned to heaven. You know, so that's something we do not fear. We do not need to fear that. You don't need to be afraid of that transition. We don't need to. Because in Christ Jesus we have life and it's eternal life and death and its sting. They have been arrested. Jesus, he said when the little girl had, we call it, died, uh, 
and the, that he was ministering to and he prayed for her and she came back he said well he had told him she's sleeping and see just to us that are believers and in Thessalonians it, it speaks that way about believers that have died it's like they're, they're sleeping and I'm not talking about something there where there's you know to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord just that our bodies are sleeping here for a while they're put in the grave my dad his, his body is in the grave at Northern Cemetery there but I don't see my dad is there uh, and one day his body will be resurrected and that's the truth of all of our loved ones but we want to see that as the truth of many in Turkey and we want to see it as many as the truth for many in this area in this region many in the places where we touch people's lives amen and listen to me the spirit is saying it's like at a new place a new level of that of being sensitive to the Holy Spirit for each one of us to be keen to that my old professor Paul Hudson at Northwestern College he always talked about having our antennas out our spiritual antennas out and that we might, might be ready instant in, in season and out of season to present the gospel to people and I really believe it's the day for that and it's not it's for us as a church family but it's for all the churches all the people you know the truth is we don't know how long it will be before Jesus comes again and and takes us there where he is and the thing is for other people you never know I probably the last thing I would have expected to get a call like that about Jay concerning Jay 50 years old the picture of health seemed like so Lord we thank you that you lead us in this you help us we thank you that whoever believes in you will not perish but have eternal life and God we thank you that you are love and that you loved the world you loved us and the world so much that you gave your only begotten son that whoever believes in you will not perish Lord may we have things in proper perspective in life what's important and may we have a perspective on eternity and that's how we may live we know that none of us is going to live forever and we pray that we may make good use so to speak of the time that we have to be your lights here Our, there's a correction there we are going to live we are going to live forever with you but Lord we pray that many many others would come into that place as well we are believers in Jesus as our Savior and we pray for many more 
We, I pray right now that you would affirm in the minds and hearts of us that are here or those listening online that person or persons, that family that you would have us to reach out to, be praying for regularly and looking for open doors and opportunities to share you or to bring them to church with us, Lord, or to do whatever you show us. And we thank you that decisions will be there. Lord, we know that we decide to follow you, to believe. It's a decision to believe. Decision, believing we know isn't a feeling. It's a decision from my heart, a quality life decision to believe the Bible, to believe the Word of God, to believe the truth, to believe the light that has brought to us the understanding, and then to do it, to walk in that light, and we pray for this, for these people that you're showing us that are our assignments. And Lord, we commit ourselves, we decide to submit ourselves to your Lordship anew and afresh today. That we might be followers of you, whether it's to another nation or whether it's right here. that we would be bearers of your light wherever you would have us go. In Jesus' name, we pray. We thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, we thank you that you didn't send your Son into the world to condemn it, but that through Jesus we might be saved. And we would now walk and do the truth and have more light revealed to us, all empowered by your Holy Spirit in our lives. And everyone in agreement with this prayer said, Amen, Amen. Praise God. Well, we'll dismiss. God bless you. If you have a prayer need, there'll be people up here that will pray with you. God bless you and keep you throughout this whole week ahead as we go out on the mission field. Amen? Out on the mission field. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah.